Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. And if you're a fan of this podcast, you already know the 50-year mission is definitive oral history of Star Trek. And Secrets of the Force will tell you everything you want to know about the history of Star Wars. But what you probably don't know is Ed Gross and I have a new book coming out this July. They shouldn't have killed this dog. The complete uncensored ass-kicking oral history of John Wick, Gun Fu, and the new age of action. Coming from St. Martin's in hardcover, digital, and audio. You can order it today. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. This is Darren Doctorman, and we are the Inglorious Trexperts. See, I thought it was a classic femme fatale. Just so much fun. Like that Shakespearean lace in your acting. I said, Gene, what do you want from this character? I want you to just take the character and make it your own. (laughs) (laughs) I had a good time on the film. On day one, the movie was already $15 million over budget. We started this movie without an ending. That's like painting yourself into a corner. I don't think we've ever had a Star Trek oh, captain on our true. show. Being, as you said, number one of the, on the call sheet, it is a producer's position if you're going to take it seriously. I was so glad they didn't cast me as Lorca. <laughs> <laughs> you famously wrote that script in 12 days. On one level, I wrote the script. And on another level, the story was written by everybody and his brother. New episodes every Saturday, wherever you listen to podcasts, or download the Electric Now app. Keep on trekking. Ingloriously, of course. Inglorious Trexperts, the only podcast for fans with a life, is available every Friday, wherever you listen to podcasts, and on the free Electric Now app. Download it today. Hello and welcome to Best Movies Never Made, a podcast where we talk about interesting and infamous movies that never made it to or through production. Most of the time, the movies you're trying to make don't get made. Like, four of them may happen, one of them may happen, none of them may happen, and I'll be attached to three more things by end of summer. Turn the script into something resembling Unforgiven with Conan. Yeah. Suddenly the rights expired and the whole thing just like went away overnight. New episodes will be available every other Monday. We won't see you at the movies. Best Movies Never Made, as featured in Entertainment Weekly, is available wherever you listen to podcasts and on the free Electric Now app. This is the 430 movie. Welcome to Get to the Chopper Week. The films of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Run! Go! Get to the chopper! Oh, we One told you we'd be back. And here we are. We're back. Yeah. We're back with your favorite 430 movie host on Monday, Steve Melching. <laughs> on Tuesday, it's the end of days for Darren Dockerman. Good work, Sonia. And... On Wednesday, it's the man everybody would like to slap, Ashley Edward Miller. I'll be needing your clothes, your boots, and your motorcycle. (laughs) It's the Terminator starring the movie phone guy. Hi there. Hi there. I'll be back. Next. If you want to give me your motorcycle, press one. Your boots, press two. Wow. If you want to go to Mars, press three. Um, so here's the thing. At with apologies to Ashley. Before, you know, we've been uh, in the past, we've recorded 430 movie far in advance, far in advance of when they, they air. 
um, because of the nature of the pandemic and just our schedules, we've been recording these, you know, only days in advance. So um, they're fairly topical. So I want to take a minute before we jump into get to the Chopper week to talk about that mockery of a travesty of a sham of a mockery of a travesty of a sham that aired last night on ABC. <laughs> uh, I don't know if any of you watched it. I know, Not I. I nope. know there were plans to uh, boycott it based on the um, uh, fact that we were so disgusted with the fact that the um, um, categories uh, were, were, were presented before the broadcast. So I just want to say is the only one who apparently did watch the Oscars it was awful. And, you know, it's completely been overshadowed by that, um, that the horrific event, event um, in which uh, everyone knows uh, Will Smith uh, assaulted Chris Rock for making a joke. Whether you thought it was funny or not, it was a that's joke. That's not an assault. That's battery. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> battery. It's battery. That's right. And then, uh, um, you know, uh, shortly thereafter, he won the, the best actor and was greeted by a standing ovation from the crowd. Because, sure. you know, it doesn't matter what you do as long as you're popular and cool. How appalling, how utterly appalling. And, yeah, but it's not surprising at all. And it overshadowed what I would say was 97 percent an awful show. <laughs> um, I, I, I would at I, least you know, it made it memorable. The the one thing that I really loved was in the the thirty second uh, Godfather tribute. Um, Francis Ford Coppola, who famously never thanked Bob Evans in any of his acceptance speeches, thanked Bob Evans. You know, uh, uh, which no one made a note of because you know clearly there was no time and nobody there knows anything about film history anyway to to make a note of it. But, well, um, the twist the twist was that in his mind, he was thanking the guy that makes the sausage. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Well, that was when he won for Godfather. He kept saying, I like to thank Bob and I like to thank yeah. Bob. And it was always a different Bob. You know, yeah. so he was really twisting the knife. I'd like to thank Bob Loblaw. But um, <laughs> uh, so, it, you know, but I mean, it was I, I mean, I'm sure you've heard the James Bond tribute, the 60th anniversary of James Bond. Uh, started uh, it was introduced by Tony Hawk and two other um, X game uh, or uh, you know uh, extreme sports competitors. I mean, so of all the skateboarding that James Bond did over the years, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. an extreme <laughs> hey, tribute to View uh, to a Kill. I guess I didn't realize we. Were, I, I uh, did watch the montage, which yeah. was a fine montage. Although I wish they used more than just "Live and Let Die" as the music. But couldn't any one of yeah. us have put together a better one? Yes, I, I can I assure you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can assure you of that fact. I think the Saturn Awards have put together many better uh, montages. Um, it was horrifying. And Judy Dench was in the audience. Yeah. You know, uh, five feet away from the stage. There are still, what, oh, four living James yeah. Bonds out there? They could have... Uh, yeah. Lazenby. All on stage. Lazenby, Dalton. During, during, uh, during Steve's mancot that I participated in, um, <laughs> Uh, we watched a, a series of really terrible films, and among them, Judy Dench was in uh, the most recent version of Cats. Oh, <laughs> we watched Cats. So you did a tribute Oscars. to the Razzies. So the yes. Oscars were better than Cats. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not Apparently so sure about not. that. Apparently not. Well, he's <laughs> no, action. It, 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 it was really, really offensive. And in fact, if you wanted to see 
uh, broadcast honor the movies, then you might have enjoyed the 45-second Rolex commercial, which actually had clips from North by Northwest and uh, from legendary uh, films uh, throughout uh, cinema history and actually was a a more fitting tribute to uh, the movies than the Oscars. It was was just... I I read the the in memoriam was also an especially a travesty this year. Yeah, they they put it to I guess they were trying to go for a gospel feel, so they had yeah. very upbeat music and singers singing during what yeah. is normally a very distracting from actually being able to read the names. Well, of absolutely, those being and I understand the whole idea of the New Orleans kind of like, but you know what? There's a tradition of the Oscar. Yeah, like live and let die. <laughs> Whose funeral is this? Yours. But, um, <laughs> but, and it was so weird because they would stop it for a second and have different yeah. people talk about. So, for instance, Bill Murray talked briefly about Ivan Reitman. And then they had, of all people, Betty Davis. Um, I forget. Jamie Lee Curtis talked about, Jamie not Lee Betty Curtis, Davis, about Betty, Betty White. Betty White. Uh, and we all love Betty White, but that's more appropriate for the Emmys, isn't it? And, uh, they, you know, but meanwhile, Peter Bogdanovich, who did more than anyone, to yeah, keep got, uh, got uh, film seconds. history alive, got three yeah. seconds, and it was no Sybil Shepherd, no anyone talking about him. I mean, it just makes me really sad, you know, when this guy has done more uh, to keep movies uh, alive as an art form than the Academy, because the Academy did a whole sh- a ten minute, uh, uh, basically, advertorial for the Academy Museum. Yeah, <laughs> still Which the only sucks. Jew was Harvey Weinstein. It was it was a bit unbelievable. Allow me to say this as well about not just the the way that the Academy, I think, treated the the past, the history of film, but I think it's frankly treating the present of film. Something that was very telling to me. Um, and by the way, instead of going watching the Oscars, I actually went to the movies. I actually saw the 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 Lost City, which was delightful. I saw it too, and I thought the same thing. Wonderful, wonderful, fun movie. But the you know, we talked on this this show, uh, I think, during Batman Week about how uh, how weird the voting is in um, in the Academy Awards. Yep. And you know, when they presented the uh, the award for animated feature, one of the things yep. they talked about was how, like, oh, you know, these movies are really for kids and kids, and they're so important for kids. And and all I could think was, you didn't watch the nominee. Yeah, yeah. Flea, Flea is a real kids film. Oh yeah, man! It's like you know what? The, the only only movie that's more of a kids film than Flea is Grave of the Fireflies. I mean, <laughs> what the actual? They're not even watching the things they're voting on. They don't understand the categories, and then they get up and they say things about it. I mean, it is just actually it's about the pretty actors and actresses. Don't oh. you know that? Right. I mean, let's not be stupid. Uh, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm glad you said that because absolutely. But the other thing I didn't anticipate about this, this insult of moving all these um, uh, keys uh, uh, categories to the pre-broadcast uh, was the fact, and then Aaron edited his acceptance later, was the fact that the announcements were all made when it happened. So yeah. before the show even started, <laughs> you knew eight categories who the winners were. Yeah. Which took takes away the fun of watching the show and having it happen in real time. It's one of the few things. But it's okay. I don't but they tweeted though. it out and only gave the names of the movies and, and not the, the way, names I, of the people that won. Yeah. I, I do have a modest proposal for how to cut down 
on the length of the Oscars and maybe bring some of those categories back. I think that we could cut the number of acting awards in half. Is there really any reason why we have two acting awards and two supporting acting awards? Shouldn't we put like the the men and the women into a cage and make them act (laughs) and just decide in each category? You know what? If they want to be, if they want to be, uh, postmodern and go the way that they want to go. There should be no actors and actresses. They should just they be should best all be actors. Best yeah. performance in yeah, a movie. And best supporting and performance. that's it. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. it. So yeah. how's that? How would That'll that like go? cut the speech time virtually yeah. in half? Yeah, exactly. Because Jennifer uh, Jessica Chastain's speech went on uh, forever. I think um, it's still happening. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, it's just, it's so sad because, you know, you get the impression the Academy just doesn't care. They, no. It really? doesn't care. And uh, Where do you get that idea? It, it's well, it's hard from they, everything I, they do. I, I think they care, but I think their uh, priorities are so misplaced. They're so sensitive about um, criticism coming from all sides. They're like, oh, the Oscars are too serious. We're, ta- we're too self-important. So we have to mock you know what we do or you know and then that pisses off the people that love movies and love what they do so that they will swing the other way or they'll you know they'll uh you know they'll want to appeal to uh you know this this mythical audience that doesn't exist that that loves the the variety show aspect of it the show opened to a a, a song uh uh from beyonce um, uh, on a tennis court, she was promoting a tennis court uh, from King Richard. But where was the montage of of films? Where was the tribute to what we were arguably there to sell? It felt like the Grammys. There were so many uh, musical interludes. And I have to say, you know, a good friend of this podcast and of the Inglorious Trexperts is our good friend Steve Asbell, the president of 20th, uh, 20th Century Films. And there was a, a joke that was in such bad taste by one of the presenters. And again, I don't um, I, 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 I think no, everything is fair game and humor. But if you're doing a show honoring movies and then uh, the host makes a joke about the fact that, oh, um, I have the one copy of um, The Last Duel um, insulting the fact that no one went to see this movie when all these people who worked really hard on this picture are there and watching. Not Also, how many movies that are brilliant did nobody see in their time? And I'm not saying The Last Duel is brilliant, but, you know, it's an insult to the career of Ridley Scott, to the people from 20th century um, films who were, who were there at the, at the Oscars. And it was a it was a solid movie. I saw it. I thought it was solid. And it's it's just such a cheap on a night joke. that they're supposed to be celebrating yeah. it. I think the the one thing that just and again, you know, this is all just kind of going back and and this is what highlights exist for, right? Thank God for the age of the internet. But um, I didn't even know if this is could be considered a highlight. But I, I will say this: I think today um, my respect for Chris Rock is through the stress. Oh, what a pro. What a pro he is. That guy, like, he has internalized the show must go on. And I think, like, look, we give a lot of credit to David Niven for having the presence of mind Mm -hmm. to uh, make the joke about the streaker. Yeah. But Mm -hmm. to kind of stand up there, get hit in the face, then turn around and say, well, I guess that was the best moment Mm -hmm. in the history of television. Yep. Yep. uh, Shows, like, poise. And class. That son is a man. 
No, uh, look, a- absolutely. And, you know, I really am a fan of his. He was great in Fargo. He's a great comedian. Um, and it is, it is, it was great as a robot and AI that everyone, you know, <laughs> all these people went up to support Will Smith and that, you know, no one was there for, for, for Chris Rock. It's appalling. Yeah. It really is. It this whole thing was just a, a travesty. And unfortunately, the fact that it is maybe one of the worst, it, it was the worst Oscar show. And I thought nothing could be worse than last year. And I saw Rob Lowe do Snow White live. And that is looking like genius compared to, uh, <laughs> Um, to to what happened? What's he been going on with the Oscars now? Yeah, he didn't do Snow White. He performed his skit to with Snow White, the dance oh, song see. and dance number. Mm. Yeah, we probably he may have done Snow White. We don't know. Don't know. We don't know. She I mean, Snow White after. Was there a Democratic convention nearby? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so anyway, so that's the Oscars. But we're here to talk about someone <laughs> who never won an Oscar, and maybe deservedly so. <laughs> well, just wait. Okay. His time is coming. His time is coming. He yeah, is. Yeah, but a- you know what? He is literally and figuratively one of the biggest movie stars ever. Mm-hmm. He's the last movie star. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the last action. Uh, yeah. yeah, we shouldn't be saying. Well, no, I don't know. He's one of the last movie stars because I, I think Tom Cruise is still a movie star. And Sandra Bullock, again, proved she's still a movie star. Uh, you know, uh, Ashley and I both really like that uh, yeah. Lost City, not because it's a great movie. But it's a it's throwback just, to the old fun movies. Okay, one of the one of the last non-insane movie stars. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? It just it's just it's nice to sort of sit back and and just and watch a film that's just effervescent and has such joy starring America's sweetheart. And by that I mean Channing Tatum. And also Sandra Bullock. <laughs> <laughs> he had such a good sense of uh willing to to be torn down in that movie and play oh, a, a, totally. a, you know, a doofus and um, you know, just have that be the butt of the joke over and over again. And I want and, to whole see a whole series of spinoffs about Brad Pitt's character. Oh, so great. Yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, it's like that old kind of thing where somebody comes in. I don't think he took billing. He's in the trailers and I know he took in the end title, but I don't think he took billing block, which is great. <laughs> I love those I movies. You, you should rephrase that when you say you he to took it in the end title. title. <laughs> uh, you know, it's like when Jack Nicholson didn't take, uh, a credit in broadcast news. Like right, I love right. when these big stars like come and do a little bit for 10, 15 minutes and then, and then they're out and they don't make a big deal out of the fact they're in the movie. So well, if we're not there during the difficult times and we're not a news organization. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Um, but yeah, yes. anyway, I know we're not talking about when we do romancing the stone week, when we do uh, jungle uh, in the jungle week, jungle we also week. haven't done Jack Nicholson week. We uh, haven't. That's true. We haven't. Yeah. I know what Steve's pick won't be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like to yeah. hold that one between my knees. <laughs> <laughs> what we got here, Steve, is a failure to communicate. <laughs> um, but uh, but anyway, um, I think that Matt Nicholson uh, isn't in that. No, movie. It's, it's, Paul, it's Paul Newman. But um, I'm okay. just saying. <laughs> what, what you want me to slap you? So. Uh, Anyway, we've had enough of that. Yeah. So, so listen, so um, Schwarzenegger and I got to say, um, you know, Arnold is so interesting, the evolution, because, of course, he was this, you know, muscle bound, you know, he a guy from Austria, weightlifter. People, you know, never thought, oh, you know, this is a genius. But if you look at the way he ran his career, his business became governor. And just this week, he recorded a very, very powerful. I don't know if you saw it video to the people of Russia about uh, Ukraine 
And it is a very, very effective um, because, of course, he's a huge he's, he's always been a huge star in Russia. And he knows that um, uh, um, the news organizations are only uh, propagating propaganda and that um, yeah. the truth has been you know, sort of cut off. And for him to record that and it's such everything about it was on point, as the kids say. I you think know? it would have worked better without the ammo belts, though. <laughs> <laughs> when, he, when he talks about how he, he loves the Russian people and that he wants to tell people what's really going on. It's, it's just it's very it's very, you know, smart and um, the way he conveys his point. And yeah. I just and, and very, you know, I just it's it, using his leveraging his fame for good. You know, for something really important, and I, it just gave me even more respect for him, because obviously I didn't vote for him for governor. I was not a fan of his as governor. Uh, I thought the recall election against Greg Davis was absurd. But I, I I've always opened the books. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I always have, have have enjoyed Arnold, and even more so now in the twilight of his career. So, Steve, tell us about why has Arnold become such a international movie star. Well, I think uh, it, it certainly started in the United States. I, I think Arnold Schwarzenegger was kind of the right star for the right time in this country. Uh, when he came along in the early to mid-80s, the U.S., the United States was still coming out of, uh, you know, a long period of, uh, you know, bad news, whether it's the Vietnam War and Watergate or the energy crisis or the hostage crisis. Uh, suddenly, here comes this immigrant who loves America, I believe in America. And uh, he embodied visibly on screen this strength, this power, uh, and this hyper-masculinity that was probably also something of a reaction to, uh, you know, uh, the feminist movement in the 70s. Um, so, so here you have this guy who, who projects uh, incredible strength, incredible Sort of, he, he's he's avuncular. He's he's got a sense of humor, uh, and you know he he kicks ass. And uh, it just came along at, at the right time with these big spectacle films that translate very well internationally. And he's just this unlikely guy, this huge muscular bodybuilder with this strange accent. Um, you know, becoming this this global sensation. Aaron, do you think at any other time he could have become a mega superstar? I mean, like if, if he was if he suddenly came on the scene now, he would never have the career he had in the 80s, would he? Probably not. But I think that's you know, like I, I'm sure you 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 mean that because uh, uh, media has changed so much uh, since the time that he emerged. Uh, I think that uh, things are too. Uh, Things happen too fast now, and they don't have time to really develop, so to speak. Um, but uh, I think, as we'll find as we talk about his various films, he started he started small but appeared big. At the he was time, a grower. That makes any sense? Yeah, <laughs> not a <shower>. and a shower. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Ashley. Um, I guess, uh, uh, you know, I, we're going to make this about the, uh, the we're going to let people vote on this. Right. We're opening this up to uh, the public to what? let us know no. their favorite, favorite Arnold Schwarzenegger moments. No, of course we're not. Did you <laughs> see that on the Oscars? That, that, that highly touted um, uh, 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 let the, the fans vote. 
Did no, you see what we won? didn't see that. You know, one that the, the greatest cheer moment of all time, according to the fans, oh, it the speed force or something. Yeah, some Zack some... Snyder nonsense. <laughs> oh my god! You know, I'm still trying um, to get through that four hour. I, I didn't thing. learn anything about the amazing career of Peter Bogdanovich, but God by God, I know all about the speed force. <laughs> wow, incredible! So okay, so Ashley, <laughs> um, do you remember? Uh, because you're a little younger, but what? You know, he owned the box office for a long time. And if you look at sort of who the macho heroes were before, it was like Burt Reynolds was the number one box office star, Clint Eastwood. But Schwarzenegger was very different when he came along and became a megastar in the 80s. Well, I mean, look, my my first uh, memory of him in a film was uh, my brother watching, uh, watching him uh, how to how to say it without like without name checking a title but watching a boy become a man pushing a wheel you know at the very <laughs> early part of his career when um let's just say his command of the language was not the real selling point uh <laughs> you know when it was uh, difficult to get a sense of his sense of humor because the things he was capable of saying were so limited but i think that that kind of points up um, what has always been um, special about him, like regardless of like, you know, how old, you know, you were like back in the in the 80s when he sort of uh, really came to form. It was his tremendous charisma. He has always had it. Yeah. Being a big dude does not give you that kind of charisma. There are other guys like, Look, uh, you know, Jean-Claude Van Damme is obviously he's kind of short, but it's but, you know, it's like there's a guy who looks physically powerful. He doesn't have that charisma. Dolph Lundgren, big dude, uh, does not have that kind of charisma. They don't have it. It's not just about the size. It's not just about the sense of humor. It is about presence. Yeah. And there's just something about the guy. And you're like, he's 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 that. big. He's not scary in the way, you know, he can put on a scary face, but he you kind of trust him. You know, he's got mm -hmm. the, he's kind of you know, with that gap tooth and that smile and that accent. He's got a charm about him and a sense of humor about it that makes you like him. Mm -hmm. And he played I, I with think that. We're kind spoiling of everything. Talking, no, 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 we're, we're going to get there. Yeah, so, yeah. Before we we go to Steve and Mr. Monday, I want to ask you, Darren, um, have yes. you ever prayed the crown before? <laughs> have you ever prayed the crumb oh yes okay. and if he wasn't on my side then the fuck you crumb <laughs> okay so okay. this takes us to Monday there's you know and I have to say Steve looking at all looking back at all the Schwarzenegger movies there's a lot more there's a harder week than I thought it would be I, I figured yeah. this would be a real yeah, cakewalk like his muscles no but there's so much choice there's so many great Arnold films so it'll be really interesting um I actually did not throw out my cloak and dagger card because I'm just gonna keep that here by my computer every week um but it, it doesn't help me this week so Steve tell us about uh your pick for Monday and get uh, get to the chopper now week the films of Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Well, I, I I think I've picked maybe three Schwarzenegger movies over the over our time on the 430 movie. And uh, when in reviewing his filmography, I just had to go back to what's maybe my favorite or one of my my all time favorite Arnold movies. And I picked it before. And it is Conan the Barbarian. Warrior. 
you had come. A man of great strength. A conqueror. Let us take the world by the throat and make it give us what we desire. sorcerer who can summon demons. Now they will know why they are afraid of the dark. Now they will learn why they fear the night. Out of an age undreamed of comes the most incredible adventurer of all. His first big breakthrough studio movie uh, that came out in May of 1982, uh, directed by John Milius, uh, written by John Milius, sort of adapted from a script by Oliver Stone, uh, produced by Rafaela De Laurentiis and Buzz Feitchens, with that iconic, stirring musical score by Basil Polidorus that is just absolutely epic. Um, I remember seeing this movie in the theater. I was a few years too young to see it when it came out. It was R-rated. And uh, I went into this movie not really knowing what to expect. I had never read a Conan book. I'd never read a comics. I was, I guess, familiar with the name and generally what it was. But I think the main thing I knew about it was uh, I was living in the Washington, D.C. area. And Howard Stern was a DJ at DC 101. Uh, at the time. And he used to do skits on his morning show that I would listen to when I was getting ready for school in the morning. And he did a a series of skits called Cohen, the barbarian about this Jewish barbarian. (laughs) I I went into this movie kind of expecting it to be a joke. You know, it was like, who's this big kind of goofy looking muscle man playing in a little like fur bikini swinging a sword around. And I was heavy into my Dungeons and Dragons phase at this at this point also. Mm. So I was primed and ready for some epic fantasy. And what I got out of this movie was this, this, the Nietzsche and the, the Sturm and Drang and the, the epic music and the violence. Oh my God, the blood uh, and, and the combat. And um, it just, it kind of blew me away. I, I, I was kind of shell shocked when I walked out of it, but in a good way. And um I, I just think it's a terrific movie. The filmed on location in Spain, they found these beautiful locations and the casting of Schwarzenegger was perfect. As you were alluding to earlier, the, the fact that he has this accent doesn't really matter because you're in this fantasy world and so many of the other characters have accents. So it's, it kind of adds to his, his sort of strangeness 
it, it, it doesn't stick out in the same way it might when he's, you know, in some of his other films where he's playing, you know, uh, a federal agent or something with this improbable accent. Um, and uh, it's he's had a great supporting cast. Jerry Lopez, the, the professional surfer, who I only just the other day realized, I did not realize his voice performance was dubbed yeah. in that movie by none other than Sab Shimono, who I freaking worked with on Jackie Chan Adventures. <laughs> he did the voice of uncle in that show. I had no idea. I would have, I would have asked him about it. Um, but also, of course, the, the luminous Sandal Bergman, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the dancer from the Fosse films, uh, James Earl Jones as Thulsa Doom, who uh, apparently uh, gave Arnold some, some acting and diction tips and, and worked with him off camera to, to help him out. Well, Sadoom's uh, come to address his people, <laughs> <laughs> and 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 another movie take star. Your mama on a date. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> oh yes, and, but and of course Max von Sydow uh, stepping in to add a little, you know, uh, international King movie star King Osric and Mako or Mako, however it's pronounced, uh, playing the wizard. We say Mako. We say Mako. Let's I call say Mako. <laughs> But I, I, I've always really liked this movie. I, it's got great humor to it. It's got a great epic sweep to it. Um, the Conan, you know, the character has a great story arc in it. Um, although it's it's hard to watch some scenes now because uh, the the guy who plays, I think it's Rexor. Uh, I I can't look at that that big muscle villain actor and not think of uh, Spinal Tap. Oh, totally, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) This sword goes to eleven with the hammer, with the giant hammer. (laughs) No, he he, the other guy had the hammer. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. What is best in life? (laughs) To crush your enemies, to see them driven before you, and to hear the lamentations of the women. (laughs) I love it. So yeah, so so fun, so quotable. So. And and I was I was fortunate enough to get to know Buzz Feichen and Rafaela De Laurentiis a little bit uh, years ago, and uh, got to see one of Ron Cobb's production drawings of one of the swords hanging yep. in a room in their in their uh, in their uh, Aspen ranch. And uh, of course, yeah, and shout out to Ron Cobb, the brilliant production designer who did a bunch of great pre-production artwork uh, for the for the film. So and I, who uh, sells uh, uh, salamanders on the that's street? That's right, lizards on a stick. <laughs> but what's great is, is it's like a Frank Frazetta painting come to life. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it it is. I mean, I had just seen my first R-rated movie in a theater, Excalibur, the year before. So I was primed and ready, like you, you know, playing Dungeons and Dragons. It was the age of Satanic Panic. <laughs> and uh, this movie was just—I mean, it was all over Cinefantastic. There's that famous double issue. It was like. I got to see this. I got to <laughs> see this. And uh, I mean, it was and it was a staple of HBO for many years mm. and home video and th- that glorious one sheet mm-hmm. um, is phenomenal. And, uh, you know, I-, I love it had the patina of class because, of course, Orson Welles did the commercials, uh, the voiceover <laughs> for the commercials. And, uh, you know, it's funny because. You know, it's a total, you know, Milius is a total right wing gun toting crazy person. But uh, I love his stuff. I love him. I, I just I find him so interesting. And, 
uh, you know, it has this Wagnerian, you know, over and like you said, the Nietzsche of it all. I mean, nice I, use you know, the word Wagnerian. He, <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he you know, politically, I could not be more the antithesis, but I of him. But I just love, you know, it, it, this larger than life operatic quality that he brings uh, into all his work. But especially, you know, Conan, um, you know, as much as I, I, I enjoy Red Dawn to me, um, Conan is his crowning achievement as a Absolutely. director, obviously, not well, as a writer. And, and I would also quickly interject that um, last week I, I recommended that people listen to the, uh, the Walter Murch audio commentary on the conversation. I would recommend everyone listen to the Arnold Schwarzenegger, John Milius commentary on Conan, mm -hmm. which is just as entertaining as the movie. Uh, at some points more so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For me, I mean, look, I'm a huge um Robert E. Howard aficionado. Uh, and you guys know well that uh, I was I was involved in one of the, the many ill-fated attempts. Uh, I think it just ill-fated it itself again uh, to bring Red Sonia uh, to the screen. It actually successfully came to the screen at one point, but who knows if that's going to going to show up later. This no, week. It came but, to the screen. I wouldn't say it successfully came yeah, to the I screen. I would say it, 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 actually, it arrived. It was born, <laughs> but it was uh, what it, it came back didn't live long. It had sprockets. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the thing that's interesting about this movie is if you made it today, the complaints from the Internet would be legion. Um, they would complain about Schwarzenegger's casting. They would say that he's all wrong because you know, in the Robbie Howard stories, I mean, Conan wasn't like some big monosyllabic dude. He, he wasn't was a mouth. Very breather. smart. He was like a Kirk. You know, yeah. he was a rogue. He was a thief. Right. That was his shit. warrior, barbarian and king. That's right. But you know, language was, was made available to him. <laughs> but exactly. <laughs> Poetry in, of in the movie. <laughs> he's a different thing. He's like this big, like, um, but he's a barbarian. Said, the spirit of it. You said it yourself. Was, he's a barbarian. <laughs> right. But the spirit of it is is properly adapted. The character isn't actually like what what Howard wrote. But that's okay. It's like, that's yeah. what adaptation is. Um, even like small things though, that I appreciated in terms of adapting the spirit of it, right? Like a Sumerian would never pray to Krom because a Sumerian knows that Krom doesn't hear prayers, right? It's like, Krom is just like, okay, you're here, go do your thing, right? But in a way, um, Conan's speech, right? His little prayer to Krom is a perfect prayer to Krom. Right. Where he's like, you know, Kram, you know, these people, blah, blah, blah. It's just all of that stuff. And, and if you can't help them, then to hell with you. Yeah. If you're going to pray to Kram, that's how you do it. <laughs> um, so uh, I, I totally love this movie. And my other favorite part is when uh, they, you know, they have the, uh, the, 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 the they're burning the body of, of Sundal Bergman. And mm -hmm. it's like they're standing back and, and he's just sort of looking at the fire. You know, and and uh, oh, so I'm blanking on this. Subatai, yeah, Subatai is, is is there. You know, like it's like, why do you cry? <laughs> because he cannot. And I'm thinking because Schwarzenegger cannot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but That's no, but funny. still, it's a perfect moment. It's a, it's it. No, no matter what motivated it, it plays perfectly, and it's awesome. And you're right about James Earl Jones. James Earl Jones, the moment. When he says, this, "Do you want to know what true power is?" and he beckons, yeah, yeah that yeah. acolyte who just 
steps off the cliff and falls. Plus, he has that I'm cool not... snake that becomes an arrow. Hawkeye yes. couldn't do that. Yeah, right. He don't have also push over the bowl of human stew. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And I mean, you know, and I remember sitting in the theaters, fourteen years old, and and listening to that final speech from Thulsa Doom talking about, you know, if you kill me, you know, you will have never been, you know, like I made you what you are. Like, oh my god, wow, that's deep. Yeah. Yeah. He also says, I am your father. And I was like, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, it's not not possible. (laughs) It's it's a great, that's a great pick. 40 years old this May, um, the movie. Mm -hmm. So, uh, look at that. Steve is showing us for those of you listening and not watching on electric. Now, um, movie Conan shirt (laughs) available now, now, movie.com. Yeah, check out the merch, the swag. We we don't charge you. We don't make you subscribe so you can buy merch. Buy lots <laughs> of merch. Okay, so that brings us, that's what Arnold would say. So bring us to, uh, boy, He next to Shatner, he's like the world's biggest pitchman. He was like promoting a ton of stuff. And Planet yeah. Hollywood, remember Planet Hollywood? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, man, that thing. Sure. Okay, so Darren, Tuesday, tell Tuesday. us what we're watching Tuesday. You know what? Uh, two days ahead of time, uh, I am in the uh, in the position of Mark Altman because I have like five or six that I want to mention, but I'm not going to do that. Uh, <laughs> Leave it I'm to just going to say that I found it very difficult mm. to pick one. Um, and I was thinking, do I want to do the, you know, the Darren, the Darren choice, uh, which is uh, something that people might not be uh, familiar with and is maybe a little older. Uh, or do I want to do the Ashley choice, which is totally bonkers? And uh, and uh, and people really wouldn't want to see this choice, but it's there anyway. Um, what do I want to do? I went back and forth. I have so many favorite Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. They're all entertaining. They're all fun to watch and they're all fun to watch him in them. Um, but uh, I think I've I think I've decided to go with uh, my gut and pick the Darren choice. And uh, that is to go all the way back to 1977 uh, that told the story of 1975 Gold's Gym in Venice Beach, California, and uh, to learn all about the pump. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Pumping iron. Welcome to this year's Mr. Olympia Championship. There certainly has never been a competition like this before. Lou Ferrigno, Arnold Schwarzenegger. You have to do everything possible to win. I dreamt about Arnold last night. I said, Louis is waiting for you in the shadows. Well, I've not been beaten for the last seven years. You're going to be the biggest thing that ever went out on that platform at 275 pounds, Louis. They know that, and he knows it. If he's in shape, fine. I hope he is. Half a more weight. Let's go. I want to beat him. Wherever he goes, you pose down with him. Let the judges make a comparison. You look at your arms like you're admiring, and then you go, boom. When it comes to the day of the contest, I will mix him up. He will be ready to lose. I called my mother yesterday already, and I said I won. 
And when we get out there, we have only one thought in mind. We're going to win. That's it. No more. No more. It's going to be very hard to beat. Very hard. Which is a documentary that introduced uh, the world to Arnold Schwarzenegger, basically. If you didn't follow the Mr. Universe um, competitions, uh, you didn't know about him. But as soon as you saw this movie, you sure did. He... Um, he, out of out of a sea of Mr. Universe size, uh, he stands out literally and figuratively um, as the most magnetic presence you've ever seen uh, in this environment. Um, he was a natural. He was he he uh, he loved the camera. The camera loved him. He had such an engaging personality uh, as he was dealing with his uh, competitors and his friends. Um, it's really amazing because he has such a a uh, on the surface friendly demeanor, but he is a shark. He is he swims through this, uh, cutting the confidence of all his competitors to ribbons as he waltzes through the room. It's totally amazing to watch, and uh, you know he has a, a famous. Uh, uh, a famous quote in there: "The greatest thing about uh, about the uh, muscle building is the pump. It's when you fill all your muscles with with blood, and they get oxygenated. It's it's the greatest feeling in the world. It's like coming over and over again. I can I can just keep doing it. Ah, ah, ah. It is so great. It, the the pump is the best ever. <laughs> it's it's unbelievable how he's talking about this stuff and um." He's great. Uh, the directors, uh, George Butler and Robert Fiore. Uh, writers, Charles Gaines from his book, Pumping Iron, and uh, uh, George Butler, who had the idea for the book, Pumping Iron. Um, but uh, look it up. It is so fascinating, especially how he deals with uh, his main competitors, like Lou Ferrigno uh, was also introduced in this. And uh, oh, look, there's little Louie. Um, and he, he's constantly, <laughs> constantly just digging at everybody, uh, saying, oh, it's, it's too bad you can't be as big as I am, you know. Uh, and it's just so funny. Uh, his uh, friend, uh, Franco Colombo, uh, who uh, he would train with and uh, who uh, he got uh, guest, uh, guest roles in pretty much all the movies he made up to a certain point. Uh, Franco Colombo uh, died a couple of years ago. Um, but it's just so good. And Arnold comes out as this slightly goofy, but brilliant presence. Mm. And it's so fun to watch. Yeah, Arnold's, Arnold is known for his loyalty. Uh, he always got uh, uh, the guy who played uh, Thorgrim in Conan, the guy with the right. big hammer, Sven Ole Thorsen, who is in yeah. a number of his films. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it's, it's a great pick, <laughs> unexpected. Which leaves it to uh, Ashley on Wednesday to pick Batman and Robin. <laughs> no, I mean, you know what's funny is um, in an alternate universe where I don't love Batman, I probably would pick Batman. <laughs> but I would never forgive myself. I would rather pick Cloak and Dagger in Arnold Schwarzenegger week than Batman and Robin. But anyway, um, it, look, figuring out Wednesday, it's a lot of pressure on Wednesday, man. Uh, figuring out Wednesday in Arnold Schwarzenegger week is just a little bit, um, it's complicated, right? It's either you're going for something so squirrely 
that you don't even know how to explain it to people. And I'm sure we'll talk about some of those things like when we get to Friday or God knows, maybe Mark will bring it up for Thursday. Well, I might. You might. But, uh, you know, I thought about it and thought about it and thought about it. And finally, I realized that the most out-of-the-box pick that I could make for Wednesday is in some ways the most topical pick I could oh, make really? for Wednesday. Really? Uh, oh. My pick for Wednesday is Walter Hill's 1988 uh, Fish Out of Water Buddy Cop action picture, Red Heat. Look, uh, just out of curiosity, how do you Soviets deal with all the tension and stress? Vodka. Police Captain Ivan Danko came from behind the Iron Curtain. Danko, you're welcome. Hunting down his country's deadliest criminal. What did he do? He take a leak on the Kremlin wall or something? I need cooperation. Sure. Whatever you say, Gumby. Now, he's about to team up. Give me you mamos I need What'd he say? He say, go and kiss your mother's behind. With the most unpredictable cop. How you doing, honey? Drop dead. Thank you. On the streets of Chicago. You look like Marvin Hagler to me. I lost money on Hagler! Captain Lisa. He's got his own kind of style. Body language is a beautiful thing, isn't it? He's got no style at all. Chicago cop never relinquishes his weapon. Here. Rizik is a good cop. Police! And a total expert at fouling up. You did not make it, Victor. You kill a Chicago police officer, Chicago gets him first. I have my honor. With this much friction, I give up. This whole thing's very Russian. There's gotta be heat. I take care of this. Red heat. You know what we call this? This is called chicken. But you're not supposed to play with buses. You ready to swerve? Arnold Schwarzenegger, James Belushi, in a Walter Hill film. Nice work, Gumby. Thank you. I didn't mean that. I know. Red Heat. With Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> and nice. Belushi. I the saw lesser. you going there. So did Darren. And I'll and tell you. James Belushi. Yeah, well, yeah. It would have been a lot better with James Belushi. Belushi the great. I mean, actually, I, I kind of like him but it's like come on his brother when your brother's john belushi you're always going to be belushi the lesser you're always um, going to suck you're yeah, exactly there's nothing you can do about it your brother is john belushi um i'll tell you why i think like it's um it's it's an interesting piece to look at number one mark because you brought up uh the, you know the message that arnold recorded mm-hmm. um very recently to the to the russian people which i think was just was fascinating in this context. Actually, and then going back. Forget the first 15 minutes. Is there anything else you like about it? Yes, I do. Look, Walter <laughs> Hill like knows how to construct an action sequence for sure, right? He knows how to put that together. It's like it's just fascinating. The um the perspective on the Soviet Union from 1988 
is just incredibly interesting because in a strange way, and look, this is when like, you know, it was the real Cold War kids. It was like, you know, when we actually sat around thinking like, holy crap, like, you know, maybe there's going to be a nuclear exchange. We don't know. It's 1988, man. Like, that's how we grew up. But in a way, there is this romanticized um, presentation of the of the Soviet Union um, as we understood it in this film, like right down to Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like he literally walks into a bathhouse at the beginning of this film where like everybody is huge and beautiful. Let me tell you something. I went to the Soviet Union in 1987 and they weren't all huge and beautiful. It just it just wasn't it. Um, there is just it's an interesting time capsule in terms of um, how we have looked like sort of not just like at that at, at, at the Russians, but like at that culture, sort of how what they have, uh, how they've kind of informed like what we think about ourselves, like geopolitically for like, good Lord, like going on 80 years now, um, which is just fascinating. And you think about um, what's happening now. And again, these romanticized notions of what the Soviet Union was, right? And it was never that thing. Right. But those romanticized visions of it are the kinds of things that can drive people who, uh, who, who share those visions to do incredibly insane things. So I think it's just as a way of kind of looking back at the past and kind of looking at, by the way, action movies in general that were so informed um, by the Cold War at the time. Um, and understanding like that entire genre in that context, I think is just really interesting um, and a and a worthy exercise. And also, so you again, picked it for scholarly reasons. Yeah, yeah totally, one hundred percent. I did because it's just it is it's unlike anything else um, that he did in that way. It's like because everything else was so like it's it's fantasy. Um, it is. You know, or it's like, I mean, I guess you can, can sort of consider, well, I can't talk about it because we haven't gotten to Thursday and Friday yet. We can talk about some of these movies. But for the most part, like they're very, um, the movies are very over the top uh, in, in terms Travis of- Stallone. In terms of, yeah. Ooh. Well, in terms of his persona uh, and largely the kinds of action um, that occurred or the kinds of heroes that that he was playing. And this was just different. This was a dirty little- um, Walter Hill action movie. And I think it's just, it's, it's fascinating to watch. Like, and at this time, especially it's just bracing to see like how the, the Soviet union was presented in 1988. If, uh, if you guys would indulge me, I have a little bit of a story concerning. Oh, shit, I can't wait. <laughs> um, in late, uh, well, mid to late 1987, uh, I was working uh, in James Cameron's house, uh, working on his computer and setting up his stuff and, and entering all his uh, file effects names into his database. Um, and I spent about a month there every day, just sort of hanging out there and, uh, and working on stuff. And Jim was around, you know, wandering. He, this was uh, right at around the same time that he was starting to work on research for the abyss. Uh, and one day the phone rings and Jim picks it up. He's he's sitting at his desk in his office and I'm over in the corner in his office working on the computer. And uh, he picks up the phone 
And he says, hello. And, uh, oh, hi, Arnold. <laughs> so, you know, how many Arnold's in it? It's probably not Arnold Stagg. So, um, uh, Arnold or said, Shaq. Yeah, right. Where are you? Where are you? And of course, Jim knew I was there. So he was, he was trying to sort of let me know what was going on. And, uh, he said, wow, it must be, it must be fascinating. Where are, are you actually in Moscow or where are you? Uh, and he was calling from the set to talk to Jim, probably about, you know, working on something in the future. Who knows? Or maybe he just was bored and wanted to talk. But uh, so Arnold basically explained the whole movie to him on the phone. And uh, and he was talking for about 15 minutes, you know, which probably was, uh, you know, a five hundred dollar phone call at the time. Um, and uh, and. So afterwards, Jim hangs up and said, yeah, that was uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's working on a buddy cop movie where he's playing a Russian. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Good luck. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. That's a great story. (laughs) It was hilarious. And And he wasn't wrong. He wasn't wrong. First time I heard of Red Heat. Oh you know, and it's God. funny because th- that movie came out arguably at, like the peak of Arnold's popularity, you know, and it just well, it, it did it did OK in the mm-hmm. U.S. It did much better overseas. But yeah. uh, I, I guess this particular story or the character was a little hard for a mainstream American audience to swallow. Well, yeah. I think the thing that it was missing and this is like maybe the it's the. It's the the proof of the of what we were talking about before, right? Like, what's the key to to Arnold, and like, and why is it that we like his movies? And it it doesn't really leverage his his charisma. Like, there was a choice made early on that he was going to play it straight, um, and he does, right? To his credit, like yeah. he he plays it like he is in a Walter Hill movie, God as straight him. as he can, as straight as he can. And because of that, there's a there's a restrained quality to what he's doing. Um, and it just you never quite feel the the Arnold of it all. Like maybe in a couple of the action scenes, like when he's beating the unholy hell out of dudes. Um, but for the most part, it doesn't quite feel like um, an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. You know, it's like even in the well, I mean, we're not naming movies yet, but uh, it doesn't have anything where you go, wow, all right. That was just like a, a perfectly timed, you know, line. Quintessential moment. Right. I'm not yeah. even talking about quips. I'm just talking about like things that are just like just perfect little charming moments that kind of that change uh, films. It just doesn't have that. But it, it but it does have that energy and kind of that muscularity. It's just it's it's fascinating. And it does have the bathhouse sequence. It does have the bathhouse. I mean, which is just insane. Yeah, it's just insane. You think you're watching Caligula for the first 10, 15 minutes, and then all everybody's naked, and then boom, they bust through a wall, and they're fighting in the snow, completely naked. So bizarre. It is Uh, totally bizarre. And the sound design is like back in the day, like when they would do action scenes, they would do fist fights. And the sound design always sounded like each punch sounded like someone was slaying an elephant with like a snowshoe, you know, I mean, just whack, you know, just unbelievably loud. And like, you can't believe that any human ever punched any other human like that before. But I mean, again, 
it's interesting because after 48 hours, you, you think Walter Hill is facile with comedy because it's so funny. But, you know, talking to Stephen D'Souza, it's very clear that Walter Hill did not think it was a comedy. And it was only because when Paramount forces him to cast Eddie Murphy and then the mm -hmm. rewrite that D'Souza, that, that it becomes a very funny movie. But you can see Walter Hill is fighting it. And anytime you go back to watch 48 hours, you realize, well, this is mostly kind of an action movie. There's not a ton of jokes. It's just that the stuff that is funny is so funny that yeah, we right. remember it more of a comedy than what it really is. Which, which is what is I think worked. And probably the reason why they wanted him to do this movie in the first place. Because you yeah. think, oh, you've got James Belushi and Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's like right. they're going to do a buddy cop movie. And they're like, they're mismatched. And, you know, it's the oldest story. It's like Red Sun. Um, you know, the Toshiro Mifune, uh, Charles Bronson movie that Terrence Young directed that was amazing um but it You've just got the mouth and the muscle. that way yeah yeah okay well that brings us to thursday and i got kind of got an unenviable task you've left me with by uh the way that this week is shaping up because you know you're 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 not you're, you're not you know tackling the most iconic Roles. You've got a lot of low-hanging fruit. And, and I was, you know, it's funny because That's I kind of was going to go in the direction of going with something a little more esoteric because, you know, he, you know, later in his career, his movies aren't as successful and aren't as well-known, but there's some good ones. You know, like, I, I actually really like uh, The Sixth Day, but, you know, he's, his character's name is Adam Gibson in that. And I'm never going to vote for a character who... <laughs> Adam Gibson. I mean, he has so many great names, Schwarzenegger, you know, in so many movies, Ivan Danko, Jack Slater, all this stuff. Why would I go with an, a movie where he plays Adam Gibson? So I'm not going to go with the sixth day as tempted as I might be. And I, I you know, look, I got to make it a, 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 an admission when Arnold was at his biggest, not, you know, as this movie star, not in muscularity. Um, you know, I was in high school and college and I kind of was a little, um, you know, I was more interested in seeing the pretentious stuff at the time. You know, like to me, no. it was all about like David Lynch and about, you know, these high, you know, like to me, Schwarzenegger was like slumming it. That was like, I, you know, I was like, I, I didn't, I wasn't into, I, I want to watch. Totally against your Brandeis training. So, it, you know, it's like. See, I had the opposite thing. I was, a, I was kind of snobby too, but I love to go to the Arnold movies to sort of see, watch them in good humor. I see, you know? I, I, I kind of look, I, I like, I love Conan. But then, you know, I, I'm not as huge a fan of Predator as a lot of people. And uh, and then I saw a bunch of other. Obviously, there, there are certain films which I do love and we'll, we'll talk about. But there were a lot I missed. And it's funny because in the last couple of months, for whatever reason, oh, yeah, we, we showed um, my son uh, a movie, which I'm probably going to pick. And he fell in love with George Schwarzenegger. And then he all he wanted to watch was Arnold movies. So we ended up watching like most of the oeuvre, most of the, the 80s stuff, the early 90s stuff. <laughs> and it's funny because I saw some movies, uh, Arnold, that I'd never seen before, like Twins, I, I, which I loved, and um, yes. Kindergarten Cop, which was so much fun. Not and the, I think the only time I ever heard it was in that great Star Wars mashup where they took all the great quotes from Arnold movies and, and made it as though he was Darth Vader. Right. You know, who is your daddy? And why is he? It's like what all this stuff. Go yeah, ask you some questions. Yeah. <laughs> and it was so brilliant. So uh, anyway, so I've, I've actually gone through this kind of reappreciation of Arnold and realized like, 
I mean, especially now, like he, the stuff's so much better. You know, I'm not a fan at all of Fast and Furious. Like, I'd much rather watch like an, a, a classic Arnold movie yeah. than some of this nonsense, you know, in the action space today. So, okay. So the question is, what's going to be my pick? And again, we, we have so many great things to choose from. There's an abundance of riches. You said it yourself, James Cameron, you know, who worked with him so many times and, um, and, and, you know, would it be one of those picks? I'm kind of hoping we might go in that direction on, on, on Friday. So for me, it really came down to two movies. And I, one I mentioned, which was twins, which Ivan Reitman recently passed away. And I think it's just a very funny, clever movie. Um, uh, and I really, you know, got a kick out of it. And uh, Arnold's very funny in it. I, I, you know, I don't know if I'd describe it as range, but he just he he understands what the audience wants. You know, people say that about Tom Cruise now, but it's like Arnold really had his finger on the pulse of what audiences wanted. But for me, the great combination of his sensibility with a real a true or auteur. Um, was his role as Quaid in Paul Verhoeven's Total Recall. <laughs> Call Recall. For the memory of your ideal vacation. You were interested in a memory of... Uh... Mars. You're going to love this, Doug. Yeah, but how real does it seem? As real as any memory in your head. You are on your most important mission. Do you want to know the future? What about the past? You are not you. You're me. They erased your identity and implanted a new one. Quato wants what's in Quaid's head. You're Quato, right? Wrong. If I'm not me, who the hell am I? You wouldn't hurt me. We're married. Consider that a divorce. You got a lot of nerve showing your face around here. Look who's talking. My name is not Quaid. An hour he could have total recall. I want Quaid delivered for reimplantation. Catch! Get ready for a surprise! <laughs> you think this is the real Quaid? It is. We hope you enjoyed the ride. And I, I just, you know, Total Recall is a, um, a loose adaptation of a Philip K. Dick book. Um, but uh, and I, some people have criticized it, saying it would have been a better movie had it been, you know, because, of course, you know, if it had been Richard Dreyfus as the guy who says, I'm a secret agent on Mars. And, you know, it's like you'd be like, no, maybe this is just recall when it's Arnold. Who you know saying I used to be a secret agent on Mars? You're like no shit, right? So um, anyway, but it's it's a terrific movie. It's not without its problems. You know uh, the the cinematography is is way too flat. The production design is uneven, but it's over the top, crazy in all of the best ways. He's terrific in it. Sharon Stone's great. Michael Ironside is always is a wonderful villain. And as far as I'm concerned, I'll see you all at the party, Richter. It's funny. I watched this movie this last week for the first time in probably 20 years. I think I'd only seen it maybe twice before that. Uh, 
it, it was very enjoyable, but it was very clear that like I, I thought the story, the underlying story is really good and interesting. The, all the mm-hmm. recall stuff and the mem- memories and what's real and what isn't and and uh, all the, the the sort of secret agent machinations. But then it's like squashed in with this over the top high action body count. Cases. Yeah, Yeah, like machine gun action that was kind of worked for me, kind of working against uh, a a pretty compelling story. But But you need look no further than the truly atrocious remake remake to go. Oh, right. Like the things that sort of feel like vices in Total Recall were turn out to be virtues like that, that very strange sort of cockeyed Paul Verhoeven sensibility really worked for it. And in a way, it kind of added to that sense that things weren't quite real. So when you got Screw to this, you! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when you got to the scene where like the guy shows up and he's like, you know, trying to convince him, no, this is all in your head, yeah. and he sees the sweat rolling down his Roy cheek. Brocksmith from Star Trek: Next Generation's yeah. peak performance. Just, <laughs> that, that, see, it's like an entirely different, entirely different podcast. Um, it, when you see that, you're like, that is that is so real. That is oh, it's so the best scene. Human. Best scene. Yeah, clever it's an scene. Amazing scene. Yeah. Amazing. And, and, and even the fact for a big dopey action movie that at the end of the movie, you're still debating was this real or was this a delusion? Yeah. It, you know, in recall, like, and and I love that you know a movie like this that it leaves you t- with something t- with something to talk about after the movie. Because that's one of the reasons you go to the movies rather than watch stuff on Netflix, right? You know, because you go and have conversations, have dinner with your friends, theoretically, and talk about this stuff. And I think the Total Recall, you know, was a movie that is a satisfying popcorn movie, but there's also a lot to talk about. And as Steve said, it's a much better plot than in the execution. Like, it's not as smart as something like RoboCop. Um, I would argue it's probably not even as good as Starship Troopers, but... um, but I, I, there's a lot to like about the movie, and Arnold's great in it. You know, mm-hmm. consider this a divorce is one of his great <laughs> yeah. one-liners. You know, <laughs> of, of all his films. I mean, and he has some great one-liners. Not the uh, aforementioned "screw you," but uh, there, there's a lot of great lines. Plus, he gets to play you know sort of two characters um, in it, and um, uh, one and, of them is really big, and the other one and Ronnie Cox is really in it. Big. And you got to yeah. give your points for the Captain great Ronnie Jellicoe. Cox. When you hear the crunch, you're there. <laughs> you, know, you know what struck me when I watched this movie is I, I really wonder if if this was Will an Smith. influence on uh, on uh, the the not book series and the TV show The Expanse because I was I was seeing so many similarities uh, between really? that series and this movie. Yeah, the, all the politics with Mars and the alien technology and all that stuff. Save it for the Trexperts. but you mentioned the score and and watching the main titles i'm like oh my god they so obviously tempt this with conan the barbarian yep yeah but jerry jerry's score for total recall is terrific it's 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 great it's it's a great action score one of his best um recall 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 so okay so that brings johnny cab so that brings us to to Friday, and there are so many wonderful choices, like raw deal. Oh, God. From the Dino De Laurentiis <laughs> company, not drink and bake. bake. Yeah, I almost, I almost, <laughs> I almost went with the long goodbye, the Robert Altman film, because he he actually plays a has a very very small role in that. But uh, my my Ashley pick was going to be 
1970s Hercules in New York. Oh, that was nearly Ashley's Ashley pick. Oh, That's geez. what I figured. Yeah, I'm glad you did because the idea is for people who maybe aren't familiar with Arnold Schwarzenegger, or, or even if they are, to program a week of really entertaining movies. Now it's okay to you don't um, tell me what to pick. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay to um, uh, 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 have movies that maybe aren't his most well-known movies. But ideally, we want stuff that is has some worth to it, whether it's entertaining or oh, it well has made worth. or. It has worth just to put everything in sharp contrast. And also it's called Hercules in New York. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I shouldn't say, because you know what? I was actually really into Kindergarten Cop, much to my surprise. I thought it's that was movie. so much fun. I'm a it's cop, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Around my fist, down your throat. Yeah. One of the movies that people talk a lot about, which I don't think is particularly good, um, is his role as Ben Richards in The Running Man which is the adaptation of the Stephen right. King writing as Richard Bachman. I, I think at the time, everyone knew Richard Dawson from Family Feud. So sure. it was such a great piece of meta casting. But um, it's directed by Paul uh, Michael Glazier, and it's not very well done, is it? No, it's not very much like a TV movie. Like so many things, it's a much better idea than it is executed. But he's great in it. Um, I mean, but he's always great in those things. Yeah. Um, and it's it's I, I think it's... You know, the, the Richard Dawson casting is actually pretty inspired, not just on a meta level, but he's actually pretty good. You know, it's like you're, they yeah. say your movie's only as good as your villain. I mean, and he's a it's almost he's never going to get into a fist fight uh, with right. Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, which is kind of what makes him the perfect villain. His power mm-hmm. comes in a, from a different top place. five dead people are on the wall. Let's see him. <laughs> <laughs> Survey says, <laughs> <laughs> and, and he gets um, his comeuppance. But it was funny yeah. the thing watching it now. It's like I look. I'm like, oh, that's the Sony building. That's you know, it's yeah. like all these uh, futuristic buildings that they're filming. I'm like, oh, well, that's that's Sony. Well, the other thing about watching it now is that it no longer feels like a dystopia. It feels oh. ripped from today's headlines. You know, it's mm-hmm. just like so many. Oh, if only things. our modern TV was as good. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> true, <laughs> entertaining. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know what else I watched that I really, which this is a movie I hated when I first saw it. And I've completely done a 180 and I thought Ashley was going to pick it actually. The Last Action Hero. Dude, you know what? Almost yeah. picked that too. I actually, I have like, uh, I have this affection for that movie um, simply because it is like, I don't know. There's, it's, there's something very sincere about it. And I think that, um, that, you know, look, it's John McTiernan, and I think, like, a rollerball notwithstanding, yeah. uh, that you know, that McTiernan is just a really good yeah. director. Hunt for October, Die Hard. I mean, his action bona fides. And to be honest, I mean, it's uh, it's uh, craft service budget did pay all the visa bills for the local call girls for quite a long time. Carl's dance, I think is the, uh, is the villain yeah. in that. He's yeah. great with the, uh, with the different glass eyes. Yeah. yeah. He's better than he is in golden child. Yeah. So I'm really surprised not. that no one has, uh, has stood up for uh, Arnold's one of his first big films uh, where he co-starred with Kirk Douglas in the oh, villain. villain, I knew you were going right. there. Which uh, I actually saw in the theater, uh, I think twice. Uh, and uh, I, I'm you picked it of, before. You picked it before. You, you picked it for uh, um, 
uh, Guilty Pleasures Week. Yeah, I, I tried to watch it at a Guilty Pleasure screening day at my house, yeah. and it was so bad we turned it off after. Yeah. 10, it was not minutes. pleasure. It was just well, guilt. It's like the, being Catholic. The elephant of the room is that none of us picked either Terminator 1 or Terminator 2. Well, there's a whole list of gimmies, right? Terminator and Terminator 2 are right at the top of that. Yeah. Um, you know, there's Commando, there's Predator. There's yeah. like, there's so many of these these movies that are almost there's just, end of days. Yeah. You know, even though his character's name is Jericho Kane, and I almost, you know, physically recoil like at that name for a character. Oh, you didn't mention but, True Lies either. True yeah. Lies, right. There's so many great, great, great movies that like that are just so worth a watch. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually like the way that this week has kind of worked out because it, it, they don't, people don't need us to tell them to go see The Terminator. I mean, even though like in, a, in another week, even though Jesus Christ, I think we picked it three times like in the first four seasons of this show, because we kept forgetting that we picked Oh, yeah, it. we kept putting the Terminator in the show. Yeah, that's true. But this yeah. week but is just busting with joy. Yeah, it's like, it's like it's almost redundant to say, like, well, my pick for Wednesday is the Terminator. Is it? <laughs> is yeah. that your pick for Wednesday, Arnold Schwarzenegger week, is the Terminator? I think our hope. pick for Friday is every other great Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. I agree. Well, you can oh, yeah, easily I, go I, with you know, True Lies. And that's a long Friday. I'm fond of doing uh, screening theme days at my house. And one of the perennials I used to do, I called Arnold Fest. And we would watch like three or four Arnold Schwarzenegger movies in a row. How can you not want to? Well, do we want to go Even with Conan one of the, the Destroyer, which was a guilty pleasure of mine in my oh, two right. years. This is my Sarah Douglas and Will Chamberlain. I'm going to have to make an executive decision and say that junior it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I think, you know, we can go with the, the, the big girl. iconic blockbuster classics like the Terminator films. We could go with something, you know, one of the comedies, which is just a different way to go. Uh, even Jingle All the Way is not yeah. unpalatable. Um, uh, kind of is. The, the last action hero, which is a summation of his entire career and a lot of other uh, excesses of the 80s Hollywood, as Darren um, pointed out. Um, you know, and then there's his more recent uh, work as well and things like The Last Stand and Escape Clause yes. and Expendables, although I'm not a fan of The Expendables. Uh, I mean, they're Although fun, they are fun. They're fun, but he doesn't really, you can see him cashing the paycheck. Like, yeah. I'm here for two days. Shoot, shoot. You know, and it's like, you know, shoot it. I gotta go I'll home. See, I see this for The Last Action Hero. To be or not to be. I mean, just seeing him do Hamlet. I I didn't realize there are all those great cameos in that, too. Oh, yeah. You know, it's just who is this Arnold Braunschweiger? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's really, again, that was a movie. Like I said, when I saw it, and it was, I remember Premiere Magazine, everything was like over budget, over schedule, big bloated. It was like everyone had the knives out for this thing. And I was like, it's been the biggest movie I've ever done. And, you know, it bombed and everyone hated it. And I remember seeing it and thinking, oh, this is terrible. And then why it came out on 4K recently and we watched it. And I remember even saying, Isaac, I said, oh, look, you know, we're doing this whole Schwarzenegger marathon. We'll watch it, but it's not very good. And we watched it. I'm like, I, I, I couldn't believe it. I really enjoyed it. Well, it's, it's, you know, it's like, it's like after watching all the Star Wars prequels, you're begging for Ewoks. <laughs> sorry, Ewoks. Chief yeah. Trippa, we're so sorry. And there's also Kindergarten Cop, which we talked about, which is so yes. much fun. And it it's combines a Schwarzenegger action film and a Schwarzenegger comedy. It has yeah. both. 
It's like Junior meets Red Heat. You know, or do we just want to bookend it with the obvious choice of like a Terminator film or Commando, which Steve picked in the past? Yeah. John Matrix, delightful, <laughs> you know, and that's where a lot of uh, the classic Schwarzenegger one liners sort of, you know, bet off some steam, you know, came in. John, I, 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 would girl. In, I would put in a vote for <laughs> so I kill I you last. A, I lied. Only I lied. because it's sorry, Darren. Only ahead, because Darren. it's not available really right now. Uh, I I would put in a vote for True Lies. How'd it go at the convention, honey? You were the big hit of the show. It's fantastic. It's a love computer business. For 15 years, Harry Tasker's been leading a double life. Mr. President, one of our best men is inside. Transmitting now. Right on time. I don't believe I've met you before. Rehnquist. Harry Rehnquist. Listen to the following code word. Helen. H-E-L-E-N. Now, they're about to collide. What's your exit strategy? I'm going to walk right out of the front gate. May I see your invitation, please? Sure. Here's my invitation. Yeah, that worked good. Right out the old front gate. Can you lean back a second? Mr. Tasker's office. Hi, it's Helen. Is he in? How is he in a sales meeting, Mrs. Tasker? It's not like he's saving the world or anything. Well, see, this is the problem with terrorists. They're really inconsiderate when it comes to people's schedules. Could you press the button for the top floor, please? Hi, Helen. Harry forgot something back at the office. Whenever I can't sleep, I just ask him to tell me about his day. Six seconds and I'm out. Maybe it's just that you're not in touch with your feminist side. You know what this is. It's a snow cone maker. Is it a water heater? From James Cameron, director of Aliens and T2. Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's a Soviet MERV 6 from an SS-22N launch vehicle. I married Rambo. Jamie Lee Curtis. Have you ever killed anyone? Yeah, but they were all bad. True lies. What can I say? I'm a spy. Mm. Yeah, you know it's, what? Uh, it's certainly an iconic movie. It has a lot of greatness in it, but a lot of stuff that isn't too great. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's uh, it's fascinating and and diabolical at the same time. Yeah, we watched it. We got the Spanish import. Uh, and nice. turned off. And uh, again, another movie that I didn't love because I remember yeah. you know saying, "Oh, James Cameron doing a Bond movie," and uh, you know, uh, "We're gonna blow away the Bond movies." Was the quote? And yeah. um, and I didn't love it at the time. I like it a lot more now, having again recently rewatched it. it still has yeah. a lot of problems, but um, uh, but you know, he's great. Uh, um, so Jamie Lee Curtis is great. Elijah Dushku yep. is the the daughter. Hey, um, jump down. But True Lies is an interesting choice too, and maybe get you know Fox to actually put that film out on Blu-ray or 4K. I mean, it's been in. Let's the, call our friend Steve Asbell. Let's call him right now. I, I always get him on the phone. I, I always, I always really like True Lies. Uh, the, I except for that scene, the sort of striptease scene with Jamie Lee Curtis, always made me uncomfortable. 
it's a weird scene where he's in the shadow pretending to be someone else and she's trying to seduce him. And Well, you see, Steve, these are normal feelings. <laughs> uh, don't be ashamed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, it, it doesn't just play as well now as it did then. I mean, uh, you know, it's what uh, the kids would call problematic, some of the stuff in there. You know, the depiction of... Uh, um, um, Middle Eastern uh, terrorist. But, uh, you know what? It, it's a really entertaining film. And that action, that stuff at the beginning is terrific. You yeah. know, where he infiltrates oh, they, the, uh, the, ma- the the mansion the to, get the, yeah. to get the, you know, the MacGuffin. Few people, <laughs> few people are in command of an action sequence the way James Cameron is. He's mm-hmm. a master. Yeah. And well, there's some I mean, great uh, practical and, stunts. And uh, yeah. Schwarzenegger yeah. basically does the mission that it took 12 guys to do in Dirty Dozen. And that whole scene on horseback where he's yeah. galloping through the city and then gets on the elevator yeah. um, and takes the elevator up to the roof with the horse. I mean, it's and then really the great psych out when he wants the horse to like jump. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Building. It's That's so, so much fun. And now that would all be CG and it would look like sh- crap. Yeah. So, um, and you wouldn't believe it. I mean, the, that's the thing. Most of that stuff, I mean, Digital Domain did a bunch of stuff, but um, most of that stuff, they did real. And that's yeah, why it, a it's real so Harrier cool. jet. They yeah. had to reinforce the concrete on that road so they could actually land real Harrier jets on it. Oh, yeah. on the, the, the bridge to the uh, Keys. Yeah. And it's interesting, but you compare it out to the same scene in License to Kill, and it's like, you see, you know, what a real director like James Cameron can do versus what John Glenn did with that same scene in License mm-hmm. to Kill. Anyway, so well, what's it going to be? What's it going to be? Do we have a week to be I, or not to I be? I like True Lies for Friday. I like personally. True Lies as well. Ashley? Is I it, can go for True Lies. You don't sound excited about it. I don't no, know. I, you know, I am. I love True Lies, actually, in the sense that it's like you know, all the things that we said about it. Um, yeah, I would go for True Lies or Last Action Hero. Um, I could go for either one of those. You know, it's crazy. We could do a whole nother week next week of Schwarzenegger, the sequel, and, uh-huh. and do fill a whole week easily. But we're not going to do that. True Lies for Friday. So that means Monday, Steve. Monday, we crush the enemies with Conan the Barbarian. Tuesday, it's Darren's pick. The 1977 documentary, Pumping Iron. On Wednesday, Ashley Edward Miller picks. 1988's Red Heat. On Thursday, it's Total Recall. And on Friday, it's none other than True Lies. And I what's amazing. To ask real quick, did anyone ever go eat at Shotzi on Main? Oh, yeah. Restaurant Absolutely. on Cigar Night in Venice. Yeah. Shotzi. No, Absolutely. I was too busy eating at Dive, Steven Spielberg and <laughs> jo- Jeffrey Katzenberg's restaurant because they had great fries. They did in a uh-huh. in like a uh, a little holder. Yep, yep, they did. Really, not I mean, a Jeffrey holder. <laughs> <laughs> it's so interesting, Steve. You sort of ruined it because these were all two word titles, except for Conan and the Barbarian. It was uh, Pumping Iron, Red Heat, Total Recall, True Lies. Conan Barbarian, Barbarian because they don't have... <laughs> That's where it would be on the marquee. <laughs> There's no, article, articles. Articles. No. <laughs> no articles. Yeah, yeah. No definite, no indefinite. If just... it was a wordle. So... That's a lot of syllables for an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. Barbarian. Yeah. Conan would be the name. <laughs> Conan. But, you know... Conan. I, 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 Conan. Is, uh, Conan. Or, Arnold is just an actor who makes you feel... Good. You you yep. know, it, 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 it's, there's nothing deep about the Schwarzenegger oeuvre. It's just fun. 
Yep. And, and, and we could all use a little that, fun. Man. Absolutely. It makes you believe in God's Magic. walking the earth. Next week yeah. is Jean-Luc Godard week here on the <laughs> Jean-Luc Picard week? Okay. <laughs> Movie starring Patrick Stewart. We could actually do that. We'd probably good. That would okay. be fascinating. Not really interesting, but fascinating. <laughs> Let's see. Patrick Stewart week. Let's see. Life Force, Excalibur. L.A. Story. L.A. Story. Dune. L.A. Story. Dune. Dune. Yep. Okay. One more. We have a week. See, this oh, is a, uh, I shall X-Men. call it a mini week. Yeah, X-Men. Yeah, there, X-Men. Go. there, so there you go. go. We have a bonus week, guys. Done. There you go. Watch those two. Yeah. Watch that instead of watching Picard season two. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, that's, yeah. uh, wow, Patrick, way to go. Look at that. You got a whole week. You squeezed it in there. Job. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Well, this is a lot of fun. Five films. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, this is this is a delight as always, and we'll be back next week with an all new theme week. Until then, you can tell us what your picks for Arnold Schwarzenegger week are at uh, four thirty podcast uh, on Twitter or um, on Facebook, uh, the four thirty movie, and uh, of course, you can rate us on the uh, Apple Podcasts uh, or and a lot of the other platforms, which uh, you can rate us. Let uh, other people know about the podcast. And uh, until then, we really want to thank Mark Rivera, who's been doing such a great job uh, editing the sh- uh, sound editing the show, uh, Bill Ritter, our producers, Peter Holmstrom and Zach Raggett and uh, Natalie Miscali. And uh, until next week, on behalf of Stephen Melching, Darren Docterman, Ashley Edward Miller, Mark Altman, we'll be back. Till then, Eyewitness News starts now. I'm ballsy. I don't take no shit from anyone. I smoke my stogie anywhere I want. I don't have to find a hideout place like you. This show is produced by Dean Devlin and Mark A. Altman and is an Electric Surge Network production.